Hello and welcome to the Tune Under podcast. It's a new look, Tune Under pod for the new season. We're very excited about the new new logo and the new music, which is still by our friend Kieran Bow, Gateshead musician. So that's really good. Check him out if you can. I'm Jack and with me today to talk about the 2010-2011 season, which wasn't really quite a classic season, but it was basically almost as good as it got under Mike Ashley. So that's why we're we're talking about this. Um, I've got Dimmy. How are you, Dimmy? Fantastic, mate. Just uh, counting down the days till uh, August the sixth, as you know. Can't can't wait to get over there. Yeah, Dimmy. Dimmy got a shout out from uh, from Alan Shearer on Twitter, which was absolutely <laughs> exciting for everybody. Uh, Dimmy's not actually been to the UK yet, have you? So never, never been to the UK. Never, obviously, been to a game. So um, yeah, I'm absolutely. Can't wait to get over there. I'm. Uh, I don't think I'll sleep when I uh, when I stay in Newcastle for 48 hours or however long I'm there. I think I'll just be uh, too hyped. Yeah, and you'd already booked flights before you even got your ticket, so fair play for that. You're gonna have a good time. And we've got Bobby in Ballarat. How are you, Bobby? Good guys. Good. Uh, totally jealous of Dimmy going, but so happy for him as well. If there's one bloke that needs to go and experience Newcastle it's Dimmy so yeah very jealous but very very happy you see the you see the debate that's going on Twitter sometimes about real real fans and then you're like this this guy watches every single Newcastle game in the middle of the night uh even though he's got no connection to Newcastle so I would I would defy anybody to say that Dimmy's not a real Newcastle fan so Mm. yeah of all the people who deserve uh, to go and hopefully he'll see a good game as well absolutely and Dimmy, you're you're young, you're a baby, so but you do actually remember this season. That's why you haven't been on the, any of the other season reviews up to now. <laughs> well, but I, I do remember the previous seasons as well, but not obviously as clear because I was nine and ten years old. But obviously this one, yeah, this one was uh, early uni days, so definitely was well and truly well into the Magpies then. And just so just for a little bit of context about what was happening in two thousand and ten. The world was still reeling from the financial crisis. We were still kind of coming through that. Nick uh, Nick Clegg and David Cameron had made friends in the UK. Um, a nice romance there. And there was the, the coalition between the Conservatives and the Liberal Democrats. Julia Gillard became the first female prime, prime minister in Australia in 2010. Um, obviously, they had the World Cup uh, in South Africa, which was won by Spain. And this was kind of the height of tiki-taka, and Barcelona, everyone thought you had to play like Barcelona and Spain to win things. Yep. Uh, Apple released their first iPad in 2010. Wow. Instagram was launched and automatically made the world a much worse place. Uh, <laughs> pro- probably didn't get quite as popular as it is now back then, but it kind of, yeah, set the world on a slippery slope, I think. And Toy Story 3 was the biggest grossing film that year. What do you guys remember about any of that stuff? Um, I remember the GFC quite a lot because I was working in financial planning and in banking and that's the reason why I got to go to the UK as we'll talk about later and that was my first time going to Newcastle but I sort of experienced the GFC and left banking altogether because it was a mess and really stressful time so I had a bit of savings and said F this I'm off overseas for about six months Um, so I remember it quite fondly and uh, yeah, the rest of it, not really, but yeah. And Timmy, you just said that you were at uni, were you, 2010? Yeah, first year uni. So probably the strongest memory of 2010 for me was probably not sleeping for a month and a half during the World Cup, watching <laughs> every game, going to uni lectures, half asleep, and just really enjoying, well, to a point, enjoying the Socceroos and then getting angry again because we didn't qualify through. But, um, but that's a story for another day. Which uh, which so which soccer is team was that Tim Cahill and all the good Timmy was there, but that was that was under the infamous uh, Pimver Bake. So it was a it was when we so we finished with four points, so the same points total that we finished in 06 and qualified through, but we got battered game one against Germany four 0 and I remember it well because we left Harry on the bench, Harry Kuhl and Bresciano, so two of our better players on the bench. And I remember post-game, the commentators here on SBS, Les Murray and Craig Foster, absolutely losing their shit, saying, how could you possibly leave our best players out? We've lost 4-0. You've now cost us a spate in the World Cup. 
you should be sacked tonight. Like they were calling for him to be sacked after game one of the group stage. But um, but yeah, so that's it was a bit of an interesting co- campaign in uh, South Africa. But um, but yeah, it wasn't our, it wasn't our best team. But uh, we still we still got four points. And what about watching Newcastle in Australia at that time? Bobby was that. Yeah, it was possible on Fox, I guess. This was when Fox mm. had the Premier League. Yeah, yeah. so they, they started happening. I think this was the, the height. We spoke to Adam Peacock mm. um, about the coverage, and I think this was around the time that he was hosting it. And um, yeah, we had wall to wall coverage from 9 30, 10 30 at night, right through till six o'clock in the morning. And I was up for most of those times as well. So. Um, yeah, it was probably the height of the uh, football in, in Australia in terms of the A-League and English Premier League because you had the coverage all together and it worked real well. Mm. 2010, I was in that sweet spot between I'd finished uni and I was working in like my first like proper job where I got actual real money. So and yeah. I didn't have any, I was living at home. I didn't have any responsibilities. So I had cash uh, to waste on going to watch Newcastle. I went to quite a few away games. And then... The, the season before when we got promoted, I'd, I'd got a half-season ticket because I'd come back from university in Leeds and they were doing half-season tickets. So I'd carried that on for this season. Um, and obviously it was, yeah, it was Newcastle's first season back in the Premier League after they had the, the one year in the championship, the first time they got relegated under Mike Ashley. Um, we had Chris Hewton as the manager up until December when he was pretty unceremoniously sacked, which we're going to talk about and replaced with uh, Mike Ashley and Derek Lambias's gambling friend, <laughs> Alan Pardew. <laughs> um, so it was a bit of a, I mean, we didn't really know what was going to happen. We'd, we'd kind of got promoted with quite a decent a decent team. Uh, yeah. Some players in there that should never, ever have been in the, should never have been in the championship, um, but who would, would manage to keep a hold of. And we came up with a reasonably strong team, but... You know, when you get promoted, you don't know what's going to happen. It could have kind of gone either way. Um, the season was very kind of up and down. But Bobby wanted to just talk through the summer signings that we made that summer. It was a bit of a mixed bag, wasn't it? Oh, it was typical Newcastle mixed bag in the transfer market. Not anymore. We're, we've done really well. So um, I'll run through the order and what it has here. So first signing was James Perch from Nottingham Forest for one point five million dollars. Yeah, I, I actually like Perch. I think he was very um, adaptable. I mean, he wasn't a world beater, um, but he, he did a job and, and gave his all, and that's all you can ask. Um, we got Dan Gosling from Everton, and we got him through a really weird way. I think there was a, an administration error at Everton, and so we were able to get him for a free. So um, <laughs> like going through the bargain basement bins at Newcastle. <laughs> Did we get him out of a um, Sports Direct basket somewhere? Oh, I think he came with a free mug, I reckon. Um, <laughs> when And then we had the big name, the big name, and also the big ass of <laughs> Sol Campbell, who um, came to Newcastle and needed uh, a set of sheets to get a top to, to fit him. I think, uh, in that time. And he came from a, a free fo- from Arsenal. There was a photo of Sol Campbell at that time at pre-season. He was absolutely fucking massive. Huge. It was like, he <laughs> looked like an absolute whale. He, and he, he was, what, his... 34, 35 at this point? Oh. He, he came for his pension, I think. That was uh, that was all he was there for. Uh, Michael Richardson, who, yeah, he came for a free from Walker Central. <laughs> the late, great Chick Teote from FC Twente. For three point five million, and that's a bargain, isn't it? I remember mm. hearing a lot about him and watching him, and he, he was coached by Steve McLaren. So, um, which before Steve McLaren's infamous time with us, um, <laughs> so I, I was really happy. Um, Sven Moyo, don't know who he is. Don't know if he made an appearance. And then we got Hasan Ben Arthur on loan from Marseille for an initial two million pounds, and then we ended up, of course, signing him. For five million dollars, and what a player he was! What um, mm. some great memories, and yeah, one of my favorites of all time. And then later on in that season, we signed after getting rid of Andy Carroll for 35 <laughs> million pounds up front, mind you. Yeah, we signed a free agent of Chef Kikuki, um, to replace him. 
Awesome. He was almost as big as Saul Campbell. <laughs> <laughs> he just almost been released by Blackburn or someone, hadn't he? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But we're we're gonna get into Andy Carroll because that was a that was a real real dagger in the heart moment for me. I remember that vividly. Uh, I understand why it happened, but we'll talk about that a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Tote for three and a half million. That's a bargain, isn't it? I don't I don't rem- recall like remembering much much about him when he did sign. But mm. it became apparent straight away that he was pretty well suited to the Premier League, didn't it? I think if said Twente won the um the title in Holland or they they're yeah. at the top for it was McLaren's big yep. thing and everyone yep. already come back and and he was the leader. He was the leader in the midfield chip Tiote. So I did watch a little bit of him prior and yeah, for three point five million it was a yeah, he was a great player for us. Yeah. And when you're signing players like Ben Arthur on loan, you know, players that good who are only mid-20s as well, you're kind of wondering what what it is about them that means that clubs are willing to let them go on loan. Mm-hmm. Um, he he had a, a history throughout his career of falling out with managers, um, but what an, an absolutely outstanding player. We'll talk about him more when we talk about the 2011-2012 season. But Dimi, what a player it, Ben Arthur was, wasn't he? He he was he was world class and coming through coming through the ranks at Lyon it was it was him it was Benzema there was Juninho the Brazilian Juninho back then but Ben Arfa was the one who was the most talented even though Benzema got his big move he went to Real Madrid eventually Haddam had more talent than any of them but he didn't have the the mentality he didn't have the discipline and that's why he kept moving clubs and probably why he came to a club that got nearly promoted was the reason he had fell out with his manager at Marseille. I think it was. And, and we saw a bargain like, like we usually do. And we, we took a chance on the, on the Maverick as, uh, as Mr. Pardew called him. Mm. Uh, I remember I'll probably talk about this next week as well, but the goal he scored against, obviously the one against Bolton, which was in the Premier League, but he scored one against Blackburn in the FA Cup. And yeah. there's only, there's only one camera angle of it. But I was at that game, and it was it was just an astonishing goal. It was like Messi. It really was like he, he ran through about six players and then put it into the mm. roof of the net. His first goal for us against Everton was blocked. Oh, yeah. unbelievable <laughs> way. It, it, you know, yep. it, it sort of was like I remember he wore a different number. He didn't wear the number ten. Thirty-seven. Thirty-seven. It, it was absolutely like he went one way, got trapped, went another way, and then just went. You know what? Bang! And it was like woof. Yeah, so yeah, I'm all the time in the world, I loved him as a player, but yeah, yeah, he gets he had his best, he had his best spell with us, I think. Yeah, yeah, he was with us for three seasons. Although, as we'll talk about, he was injured for most of this season that we're going to talk about. But the the kind of team that season then was it was either Harper or Tim Krull in goal. They kind of switched uh, goalkeeping duties quite a lot. Danny Simpson played at right back for the whole season. Um, he got quite a lot of criticism. But um, he won't care about that because he went and won the league with Leicester <laughs> six years later. We had Colicini in, at centre-back, who was far, far too good for the championship. Uh, oh, it's yeah. quite... It's quite. I know he had a, a bit of a dodgy first season with us when we got relegated, but to keep hold of somebody who's that good in the championship uh, meant that we came up with a you know a ready-made defender who got used to English football a bit by that point. Mike Williamson and uh, Newcastle, we've talked about this on the previous season previews, but Newcastle have always got these defences, haven't they, where you just look at them and you're like, ah, ah, why can't we just buy a good defender? I know he did a, he, he falls into the Andy O'Brien category of being a good, a good pro, a solid yeah. pro, but what, what's he doing playing the amount of games he did for us at centre-back? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, no, it's one of them. I think that's why I like what we've done nowadays. I think we've shored up our defence first um, because, yeah, back then, if we just had someone next to Colicini who was as talented, who knows where it could have taken us. But, yeah, we always had that one player that was probably not Premier League quality um, getting a game or getting too many games. Left back, we had Jose Enrique, who, again, was too good for the championship. Um, but he falls into that category with Colicini and Jonas as well, of mm. players who just needed to get used to the Premier League, maybe, or to get used to English football. And they came back up really strong and better for that championship season. Joey Barton played most of this season on the right side of midfield because, as we just talked about, Ben Arthur got injured. 
Um, and Barton had actually been, people think he was integral to the promotion season, but he was injured for most of it and he was suspended mm. for some of it as well. Um, he did come back in towards the end and scored a few goals, but this was definitely his best season for Newcastle. Um, Kevin Nolan was really instrumental in the centre of midfield. He was really, really good captain. And then we had Teote alongside Nolan. So that's a pretty strong kind of midfield mm. midfield there. Jonas Gutierrez on the left-hand side, who wasn't the most creative, didn't have the best sort of attacking stats, but he was very, very good grafter and very popular for the work he put in. And then up front, we had Andy Carroll until January. He he was really on fire in the early part of this season. And it was one of the most exciting things I can remember seeing as a Newcastle fan, as a local player who, who's got that style of play, just bullying defences like you did. It was yeah. an absolute thing to behold. Who wants yeah, to talk just... about Andy Carroll for a minute? Uh, I, well, I can, I can have a word. I before the season started, I actually got a new New Jersey with his number because he turned, changed the number nine. He had, I think he had number 30 or something. I can't remember or 20. I can't remember what it was in the championship, but he got the number nine Guernsey in the first season back. And I remember getting that onto the shirt. And I remember the guy who sold it to me said, are you sure he's going to stay? I said, nah, nah, he's a local lad. He's a number nine. He dreams of playing for Newcastle. He ain't going anywhere. <laughs> Lo and behold, six months later, he's, um he's on his way. But, but yeah, he he was outstanding. I mean, he scored scored a hat trick. I think it was game two that we'll talk about shortly, and scored yeah. some cracking headers. And he's he was just on his day unplayable. And no one no one liked playing against him as a as a centre back. Yeah, he was a, he was a monstrous up front, and he had he had the other Geordie shoulder up front for company for most of that time as well. Never scored many goals, but did a did a decent job um, of, of what he was doing, which was. Ambling around up front, scoring the odd penalty, um, being generally a nice guy, which is what he seems to have done well. But there was also Peter Lovenkranz and uh, Leon Best as well. So they both contributed yeah. a, fair, a fair bit that season. Um, but yeah, it's when, as soon as Carroll left, don't think Shefki Kuki quite made the replacement that Alan Pardew hoped he was going to make. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, it's troubling, troubling. It's troubling, it's troubling. And we will talk about when, when he was replaced properly uh, when we do the next season review. But yeah, so it was quite a, um, it was the team that had the sort of basis that had got us promoted. And there was a really strong spirit in the team. And I think that was fostered well by Kevin Nolan. Um, Joey Barton has his kind of, um, he's a controversial figure, obviously. Um, I don't, I don't really like him. Uh, I don't think. I don't like the kind of adulation he seems to get from some fans. Um, I think he let himself down too much for Newcastle, but he definitely did do well this season. Um, so that was kind of the team for the for the season. Uh, Bill hit hit or miss really about how how the team was going to go, and it was very very inconsistent as we'll see as we get into the season. Preseason was fairly low key. We beat Carlisle three 0 in an away game, and I remember that I went to that one on the train. That was nice. Got beat by Norwich. Uh, drew with PSV, drew with Deportivo La Coruña, which for some reason went to penalties. <laughs> oh, it was it was the Herrera Trophy. Of course it oh. was. <laughs> I think that might have been the one when the Colicini got that massive trophy and it was like a bridge or something, wasn't it? It was Yeah, so I mean all this talk about us not winning trophies like <laughs> we've won a trophy. What is it like? What's everyone carrying on about? Yeah, I just remember seeing Colicini hold it and it was massive. It was like, what's going on here? <laughs> and then Rangers beat us 2-1 in the last preseason friendly. Yeah, I remember that one. So the league kicked off. And Bobby, I'm going to throw this to you because you were at the first couple of games, weren't you? Uh, we, we obviously got Man United away for the first game. <laughs> what was that experience yeah. like for you? Well, it was. Um, I was on a tour with my brother and a couple of mates and decided to, to go see the football and lucky enough to get tickets to to Old Trafford to, to go see um, Newcastle versus Man United. And I I thought it was in the Newcastle end, um, but my stepdad made a mistake and his mate bought him in the, the, the Manchester United end. Oh, so I, I we were lucky to get a hotel room right across the, the ground and I walked down to the foyer in my Newcastle kit and got the looks of 
all the tourists that were in Man United's kits um, who were staying there, and it wasn't pleasant. And then we walked across the the bridge there over to the stadium, and um, the police gave us a bollocking for wearing Newcastle kits in the wrong end. So we had to go to the hotel and get changed into normal gear and to get in. And what I remember of that game was, first, the amazing stadium that, that is Old Trafford. I think it was, you know, it's a special place, no matter what people think of the club. Um, it's absolutely huge, but I'll never forget the Geordies. There was two and a half thousand of them. And all you could hear was them. And even my mate, who wasn't a real football fan, he goes, how do we get into there? Because that, that looks like so much fun. Um, yeah. We got absolutely pants that game. I think me yeah. and I were, were an incredible side and we didn't look like it. And it was pretty, pretty numbing for us. But um, I didn't expect a result. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was good to go. A good experience. Old Trafford's one of those places where they don't like away fans. <laughs> I've been a couple of times, and most of the time at away at away grounds, like you don't get any proper trouble or fuss. But at Old Trafford, we I went to a game where we drew nil nil. Must have been about two thousand and five, maybe. And you had to walk back across the Man United fans to get back to the coaches, and they were just kicking you and spitting at you and things like that. It was horrible. Um, yeah. But I must be one of the only Newcastle fans who've been to a few away games at Man United to have an unbeaten record because I was at that nil-nil game and then I was at the game where Kabai scored the winner for us as oh, well. Yeah. So, yeah, I feel pretty lucky about that. But I remember that time we I went with my wife to that game and we, we wanted to go to like, the pub before the game. So we didn't wear colours uh, or I think I had my Newcastle top under my big coat or something because it was December. But it's really, you do really get that feeling of not being uh, welcome at all as an away fan, which is very different to the experience at St. James's Park, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I remember being in the crowd and I can't hide my allegiance well. Um, growing <laughs> up in a footy AFL culture, you just cheer no matter where you're sitting. And I think the guy behind me knew well and truly I wasn't a Man United fan and he started uh, yelling and chanting and bug in my in my year and wanting to wanting me to turn around and start something. So um it is what it is. But yeah, then the next week we'll talk about as well the experience of going to St. James. Yeah. And the, the differences, I mean, just amazing. Well, if Man United was a reality check, welcome back to the Premier League. What about the next week? So Aston Villa came to St. James's Park. Bobby, I'll, I'll I'll just let you talk about this as well. It was a it was a very memorable and special day, wasn't it? Oh, it's one of those memories where you know I, I always get teary thinking about it. And Dimmy, you're going to experience this um, soon enough, and you know that's why I'm so happy that you are going to experience it because I remember going to the game and it was a beautiful day. It would have been you know low twenties, which for Newcastle was yeah um, amazing. Yeah, everyone had their shirts off. Um, <laughs> we were drinking in the Shearer's Bar back then and there was Aston Villa fans in there all having a good time and, and that was the difference. You know, they were they were able to have drinks and, and drink in the sunshine and I remember my stepbrother, he he lives in he lives in uh, Nuneaton and mm. it's the first time he'd been to Newcastle and he was walk, looking around and he's like, Oh, the girls here all look like Cheryl Cole. <laughs> He's like, I'm so, he goes, I'm going to stay here. Um, but yeah, then you know, we we got to the game and got inside the stadium, and it just took my breath away. I think Old Trafford's a very impressive stadium, but it's got nothing on St James's Park, and I think you know you've got to be there just to experience the why and the noise and the atmosphere, and yeah, phenomenal. And then the game, yeah, the game was. Uh, quite incredible. I think Aston Villa should have scored first. I think John Carew yeah. scored a penalty into where, I, <laughs> into where I was sitting in the Gallagher at the top. Um, so the ball nearly hit me, to be honest. Um, so and But then after that, um, yeah, we took control and and Andy Carroll um, yeah. put his name in history with a, with a hat-trick. And I'll, I'll, we'll talk about the game a little more, but I went the next day I went back to St. James's Park just to walk around and and take it all in because I was leaving Newcastle um, to go back to the middle of England. And I got interviewed by Premier League TV about <laughs> Andy Carroll's hat-trick and all that. And I remember them interviewing me and they're like, 
they stopped the, the interview mid midway and they go, where the fuck are you from? <laughs> I'm like, oh, Australia. And they're like, holy hell, how did you come here? I said, oh, and told them the story. But yeah, Andy, Andy Carroll was um, was probably everything to us at that point. Uh, yeah. we, we were just all so proud and amazed that we had him playing in the number nine. Villa, Villa had a good team. Like you said, they had John Carew, Ashley Young. Uh, he won the penalty, Ashley Young. He won yeah, the he penalty, won. yeah. Yeah. And I think they had, I think it was when they had Martin Larson in defence, and they just had a really a good Petrov, team. Petrov, like, Petrov was still there. Petrov, yeah. and they, they might have had Barry, or he might have just gone to Man City, or but yeah, they had a, they had a good team, um, and we absolutely wiped the floor with them. <laughs> Barton scored after. Go on. I remember even Cisco getting in on the act. In that <laughs> he did. I was going to mention Assist. that. Yeah. <laughs> so, so Barton scored a screamer after 12 minutes. And after that, it was just one-way traffic. Um, and as he said, Andy Carroll um, announced himself to the Premier League with a, a hat-trick with a Cisco assist for the, la- for the last goal. And it was... <laughs> what a was ball one, that was. What, what a, a ball. ball, exactly. It was one of those days where you're just like... And that's why, partly why I thought it would be a good idea to do this season. It was basically for, for this game and maybe a couple of the other games. But, Dimmy, you've got a memory of watching this game, have you? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I remember watching it. Obviously, I've watched every game, as you guys know, live. And I remember watching this one. It was um, – I couldn't believe what I was watching, to be honest, because I remember the first game, you're back in the Premier League, you're excited, you get squashed by Man United, you're thinking, oh, crap, we're uh, – Reality checks. Our team is championship level. We're not anywhere near it. But then, as the goals start going going in, it was one, it was two, it was three at half time. I think from memory, and the fact that it was Carroll scoring as well in his first game at St James's in the number nine. I just had my kid. I was I was had my kid on watching in bed. Um, I remember and uh, definitely making a lot of noise, waking up the folks every goal <laughs> as every goal was going in. It was um, yeah, it was it was a sight for sore eyes, and it was sort of like. All right, now we're back. Now we're, we're back in the Premier League, where we're not the embarrassment we were in '08. So let let's get going from now. Yeah, and it it is the when when it's sunny in the UK, when it's warm, it does it gives you that extra little um, little nice memory as well, because uh, it doesn't you know it's really only in August that it happens, <laughs> or maybe sometimes in May at the end of the season. Um, mm. But yeah, it was a, it was a very very good game. Go on, Bobby. And there's there's no better city in the world when a team wins than you get. I didn't sleep that night. I think I didn't pay for a beer because everyone, <laughs> everyone knew I was from Australia and I went, I can't even remember where I went. I just went from pub to pub to pub and, you know, some really dark alleyways or whatever it was. <laughs> God, it was fun and God, it was good. And yeah, it's just, just a place to be when, when the towns, when they win, the town is rocking. Yeah, so that kind of that kind of set the tone, um, and I think we knew it was going to be maybe a quite a good season. Or I think after you've had a win like that, it just puts everyone, it gets everyone really going. You know, everyone was really excited after that. We drew with Wolves, one uh, one, which was another goal by Carroll, and then Blackpool came and beat us two 0 at St James's Park, which brought us down to earth again. Reality check. Um, yeah, that was another reality check. So this was what I mean about us being really inconsistent. Blackpool beat us 2-0 and then we went to Everton and we beat Everton and this was the, we talked about this earlier a bit but do you, Dimmy what do you remember about uh, Ben Arthur's wonder goal in this game? Yeah, just just as Bobby described it was it was sensational, we sort of shifted it from right to left and just unleashed a thunderbolt from 25-30 yards, it was it was a stunning goal and I obviously I'd, I'd, see, I'd seen plenty of Ben Arthur playing for Lyon and you, you, you know his talent but when you see him do that for us, you're thinking, "Geez, we've got a, we've got a player here. We've got a real player that we can build build a team around." It was it was more shocked to thinking, "Geez, how can this guy be playing for for us?" It was it was amazing to see, yeah. And the goal was just world class. Yeah, it was an exoset missile, wasn't it? Absolutely brilliant, and that got everyone quite excited for what we might have to come to see from Ben Arthur. Um, but we, then, we, then we got beat by Stoke. So this was James James Perch introduced himself to Newcastle fans by scoring a own goal in the 85th minute. <laughs> we took the lead in that game. Kevin Nolan scored, but then Kenwin Jones um, also won. Kenwin Jones. Kenwin Jones. Yeah. <laughs> I hate that bloke. Fucking hate yeah, him. Yeah, he's, 
he scored and then James Pitch scored an own it was a diving header own goal. I remember that one. And Nico stabbed his ass. Yeah, it was stabbed his ass. Don't talk about that in front of Dimi though, because you'll get upset because he's Greek. Yes, I will. And then we and then we played against Man City, which was a couple of this was Man City two years post takeover. Yeah. Um we gave him a really good game. Uh, Tevez scored for them, then Jonas equalized for us. And then Nigel de Jong basically assaulted Ben Arthur and <laughs> broke his leg. Remember that one, Bobby? Oh, yeah, how can anyone forget it? It was just a disgusting tackle and um, he got away with it, didn't he? Uh, yellow card. That, it was yellow. Yeah. yeah. Like, um, I just remember being absolutely ropeable. I think I was in a hotel in an airport um, trying to, I think I was going to Ibiza, to be honest. But um, I remember just, in, in the hotel in the, the airport in the bar and just losing the, my shit at the TV um, and just saying that's got to be a red and he, he got a yellow and for us I knew at the time straight away Ben Arthur was in a lot of trouble and yeah. um, your heart sort of broke then. There's a um, there's a theme isn't there with these reviews where Thomas Gravison it was <laughs> two weeks ago. That's right. Who uh, who went through it was Olivia Bernard at that that time and we should have he should have been sent off and then we had this, this scoring goal. and De Jong this was not long after De Jong had um, Kung Fu kicked yep. Javi Alonso in the World Cup final correct <laughs> and got away with that he's as well a, yeah oh he's a good player but he's a thug wasn't he <laughs> yeah, thug. yeah absolutely that was a, it, was, it, was a, it was a shocking it was a shocking challenge he was he, he almost probably could have ended his career I mean he was great that he came back and he still he still did something post that injury, but it was an absolute career ending, disgusting challenge. And yeah, I hated his absolutely hated his guts after that. Yeah, it was really, really bad. After that, so we, we gave a good account of ourselves in that game and we really did do pretty well. Yeah. And then we drew we, we rescued a draw at home to Wigan. So this Charles and Zogbia scored two goals <laughs> in consecutive minutes for Wigan. <laughs> oh so we were two 0 down to them. Shola scored on seventy two, and then Colo got a ninety. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, remember it well. Yeah, and it's interesting actually. The, looking at the attendances for these games, the home games. So against um, even against Villa, there was only forty three thousand there, and it, in this one against Wigan, there was only forty four thousand. So the, you can see there's still a little bit of a lack of enthusiasm, maybe for um, we're not selling games out, you know. Uh, yeah, I think. It was Mike Ashley had done what he'd done um, a couple of years previous, so there was still that kind of that going on. And after that, we won three games in a row. So we drew with Wigan, and then we beat West Ham two one. Goals from Nolan and Carroll, and then was the Sunderland game. And this was this is this is the other reason why I chose this season to do a review for. Uh, it was Halloween, uh, October thirty first, two thousand ten. Sunderland came to town. And we basically just absolutely blew them away. <laughs> Steve Bruce, Steve Bruce was in the dugout. Titus Bramble was at centre back until the fifty third minute when he got sent off. Sent off, yeah. <laughs> but it was five nil, and then they they got a consolation goal, and that was a full attendance. That was fifty two thousand at that game. Yeah. Who who kind of what's your standout memories from that game, Bobby? Um. Well, there were so many. I just remember Kevin Nolan that game was just the the um, scissor kick that he did when he was lying on the ground, scored the goal, the chicken dance. It was just, it was a game, a game that, where the, the sun was shining, the weather was quite good, and we just, exactly like the Villa game, it was all us and we absolutely battered them. Um, yeah, so many good memories. And then we gave that, uh, we put the song on at the end for Steve Bruce as well. <laughs> we the, did. Yeah. The PA. <laughs> Yeah, and it was uh, just a all-round magnificent day for Newcastle, and yeah, one that I don't think any of us will forget the the five-one, will we? Yeah, Titus got sent off as well <laughs> after fifty-three minutes. Dimi, what's your kind of recollection of that game? Very strong. I remember I had saved it on my uh, on my Foxtel box for about eight years until I upgraded my Foxtel. <laughs> I, I had it on I had it on the red button keep. I just kept watching it every time I felt bad. But no, it was a it was a magnificent game. And I remember having my exam the day after, so I was just absolutely hyped for my exam the next day. Um, it was it was a wonderful game. I mean, we yeah, as you said, we've better than the only thing I remember that 
I was not upset about, but I was a little bit frustrated that Carroll didn't score. I remember he had about three or four great chances to score, and I would have loved to see him score in that game. Good old Shola, the Derby expert, he 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 put in two, and uh, and obviously Nolan had his hat trick. But would have loved to seen Big Andy with his number nine score score in the in the Derby. The Mackham Slayer loved this game. Shola just oh. absolutely loved playing against Sunderland. His second goal in this game was an outstanding quality. It was it was a kind of bobbling ball on the edge of the box. And it was kind of like Carol. Yeah, it was. A, I think Carol. Yes, yeah, so Carol headed it. Yeah, Carol yeah. headed it across the bar. It bounced up, but then he scissors scissors it from just inside the box. Like you're thinking, what are you doing, Shola? But he just nails it and. He just turned into a different player. He turned into Didier Drogba just for the time we had derbies. It was just uh, unreal. If he tried that scissor kick against anyone else, he would have broken his ankle or something. You know? <laughs> he, would, he would have done a Joel Linton. Joel Linton, I was going to say. You, you, yeah. <laughs> Hit it off his own head. Yeah. yeah. So that was that. Obviously, that gets everyone in a buzzing mood again. It's quite. It's it's seeming quite obvious at this point. that Oh, sorry, that's my... My dishwasher just uh, tingling at me. <laughs> but yeah, it seems it seems at this point that we're not going to get relegated at least, so that's good. Yeah. And then and then we went to the Emirates Stadium and we won one nil. And this was a this was an Andy Carroll master Big Andy. Yeah. of how yeah, to bully up. how to bully a defense. Yeah. Lauren Kashani got himself sent off right at the end, and I remember Wenger going crazy about that. But yeah, this was a real um, big big win as well. Um, it was a it was. Barton had done a long ball, hadn't he? Just it was from halfway. It was a free, I think yeah. it was a free kick from halfway. He launched it. Carroll had one of his long run-ups, and uh, their keeper at the time, I can't remember if it was Layman or whoever it was, was just in no man's land, and uh, and Andy scored the header. It was just floated. Barton just used to do these little yeah. floaters, that, like it was like a, a putting wedge, just chipped it up, and it was just floated it up, in the yeah. air. And, because there's only one person that's going to get his head to it, and that was Andy Carroll. He was in that great of form that year that. No defender could stop him if the ball was in the air. And, uh, yeah, he got his head to it and it went in. And we, we won at the Emirates, which I don't think I can remember us doing much of since as well. I don't think no. – I think this. I think no. that's the only time we have won at the Emirates. Yeah, <laughs> I think it is, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he just bullied the defence. And we loved – like, we just loved seeing that so much. It's probably not a good thing that he was doing this because it meant that we lost him um, because he – he was drawing attention to himself for what, what he was doing at the time. He got an England call-up around this time as well, maybe a little bit later. So he did play for England while he was still with us. Um, but he was just an absolute monster. To He must have been I, horrible to play against. Yeah, I, don't, I think I, the two things I remember from Andy Carroll, uh, other than he, the way he played, was I've never seen general public get behind a player to make the England squad more than him. I think even opposition fans were saying, all right, enough's enough. We've got this guy's the next Shearer. Like, he's got to get in the mm. England lineup. And I remember the wave around England because I was travelling all over the UK and Europe at that time and everyone was talking about Andy Carroll and how good this guy was. And the other thing was that he shot himself in the foot, didn't he? Like, he, he got a, up on assault charges. I remember him going and getting released off bail and Kevin Nolan picking him up and, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all that trouble. So, like, he was a troublemaker still he, and he liked to go out and party or... I remember like yeah. saying they've seen him out of Newcastle and absolutely like couldn't lift his head up off the ground and he kept on going uh, out around the town and getting pissed and like he was falling off mm. bar stools and he was getting himself in all sorts of trouble and then he did true. he did get in that in trouble with the police and then he lived with he, he moved into Kevin Nolan's house <laughs> Kevin right. Nolan had to actually yeah, yeah. babysit babysit up. <laughs> and didn't that so, yeah. start the that the the way to Liverpool? I'm pretty sure Kevin Nolan instigated something of the talks with Liverpool. I, I, I don't remember the story at the time, mm. but I'm pretty sure that it's something to do with his agent or the agent or something like that. I, I don't know what it was, but anyway, Liverpool got interested because there was a few others in for him too. Um, but yeah. Liverpool got interested through Kevin Nolan or his agent and then, yeah, happened. happened. We'll, we'll talk about how that happened soon, but there was a there was a whole series of events that had to occur for him to end up at Liverpool, which which did happen. And we did, we were knocking bids back as well. But after the Arsenal game then, you know, we thought that this is going to be a good season and things are going nicely. But then we got beat by Blackburn at home. We lost 2-1. Uh, <laughs> we drew with Fulham at home, 0-0. So we, the home form, apart from those exceptional 
uh, games was not really very good. Bolton beat us 5-1. <laughs> Johan, and it wasn't, yeah, it was Johan Elmander got a couple of goals in that one. Oh, and all man. during this time, Carroll was still scoring goals in these games. We drew with Chelsea 1-1. It was a pretty good draw against Chelsea. And Carroll again scored a goal in Carroll that game. Scored. Yeah, it was a that was one way he didn't have any backlift at all, did he? And he just managed to absolutely hammer it from like about 30 yards in the bottom corner. Didn't Joey Barton get suspended around this time for punching? Was it the Blackburn oh. Bolton game? He, he, he punched, punched, might have been Bolton, it was one of them. No, yeah. he punched Morton Gams Pedersen. That's Blackburn, right, but he didn't ah, get yes. sent off, but, he, but then he did get suspended after that, I think. Yeah, and then it started a run for him as well. So we had. Carroll and Barton both doing things outside of the pitch and on the pitch that were just, yeah, it was it was derailing pretty badly, I remember. That's what I mean about Joey Barton, though. He did this in the relegation season when he got he just got himself sent off against Liverpool. It was stupid. Mm. And he, he, he and then he was suspended for I think I think he was actually in jail for most of the um, most of the promotion season. Yes, yes, he, was. he was. He got he was into in a fight outside McDonald's. So he's yeah, just yeah. like, yeah, he's he's just a, a liability. I think uh, he did bring a lot to the to us on the pitch this season, but he's just not a person who can be trusted. Mm. I don't think. Um, but uh, so that was five games without a win, and then the axe fell on Chris Hewton, and it was a bit of a shock. The the form obviously hadn't been very good in those and over that last month or so, but it, it felt a bit like this. Um, that Ashley and Lambias, who was his number two guy, had been waiting to waiting to do this for a while. Hewton, we, we need to just take a moment. He was such a honourable and a, such mm. a decent and such a dignified person. And even though Geordies don't like Cockneys, uh, he was absolutely taken into taken into our hearts just because of the way he conducted himself. And he'll always have a, a special place, I think, uh, in the heart of Newcastle fans. So yeah. I think I felt very, very disappointed when he got sacked. Um, and then, you know, the, the identity of his replacement became apparent quite soon. And it was obvious they'd been talking about this beforehand. Yeah. But did you two kind of feel the same way about Hewton, especially after those wins we'd had against Arsenal and Villa and Sunderland? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I love Chrissy Hewton and the way he, galvanise that squad in the championship and, you know, we blew that league apart. And I think it was a year, like, I just felt like the the bond between the players and everyone was so good and he sort of orchestrated that. And it was one of the, the teams that I felt really proud to be representing Newcastle. I know we had the troublemakers and all that sort of thing, but it was just such a close-knit squad and togetherness. And it was the first time I remembered where a group of high-profile lads actually loved playing for Newcastle and being in Newcastle. And I think Chrissy Hewton should take a lot of credit for that. And I remember when it was announced, I was devastated, absolutely like just dumbfounded. I thought, oh, here's Ashley, he's done it again. And then when mm. the announcement came through of who's replaced him, I was ropeable. Uh, I remember putting, yeah, just absolutely pissed off. Yeah, because Pardew had just been um, his his most recent job was getting sacked by Southampton, who were in League One at the time. But Dimmy, do you did you kind of remember feeling that similar way at that time? Yeah, I was ropeable. I remember. I'm pretty sure I put some sort of Facebook essay or post about <laughs> the sacking and just so calling nice. for call, yeah, calling calling for Ashley to to basically fuck off and just say, "What are you doing? This guy's so classy. He's got us up after the shock." relegation i'm pretty sure we we're sitting 10th or 11th at the time when we got when he got uh sacked so it wasn't as if we were in the relegation zone and really seriously struggling i just thought it was a disgusting move and to to get his mate his mate Pardew in, it was just icing on the cake really just it just summed up again how our feelings towards ashley and you just couldn't trust what he was going to do and he was just never had the supporters interest or never had the best interest of the club at heart. And there was rumours about Pardew being in gambling debt to him and because <laughs> Lambias used to run casinos and, you know, it was all just seedy and uh, the way it all happened was just really bad and I think it set Pardew off on a bit of a, a bad footing straight away, even though he didn't do too badly in the end. 
But the thing about Hewton that you were just saying there, Bobby, about the way he fostered that team spirit, I think it was a really intelligent management thing he did where he, he gave a lot of um, control over to these senior players. In the in the championship, there was there was Nicky Burton, yeah. Alan Smith, as well as Joey Barton and uh, Kevin Nolan, and he kind of gave them con- gave them control, and that's ultimately probably what led to his downfall because Ashley didn't like that, and as we see at the end of this season in the summer before the next season, he basically cleared out all of those players as well. So there was a, there was a bonus dispute at one point as well, and he just didn't like anyone who would answer back against Stay him, or challenge yeah. him. He would speak yeah. up. So, yeah, so we got in uh, Pardew, who was a yes man. Um, that's, there's no doubt about that. But then, what do you, what's he going to do? He, he, that's why he's in the job, and he was never going to get that opportunity if he hadn't have just gone along with everything that they said. So, he ended up well, looking th- a bit stupid himself sometimes. On Bobby. Yeah, well, I think um, the thing that I was so pissed off about Morse is because you heard these rumors. I don't remember, don't know if you guys remember. But when Hewton was sacked, there was these rumours that came from nowhere about the name Pardew and the gambling debt and all that. And you just sort of thought, nah, that's, that's just <laughs> that, that, I think that was just Twitter malarkey. That's not going to happen. Mm. And then it happened. And you're like, what the hell is going on? Like, he's, he's in a job purely to pay back debt for, yeah. you know, for what he did. And like, we were just, the trust, as Dimmy said, that was a... You know, we had a lot of low points. The relegation the first time was a really low point that you hated, mm. actually. But I think that was the lowest point, and then it was confounded in January as yeah. we thought we couldn't go any lower, but it did. It's so so seedy and tacky, and it just as you know demonstrates that the way that the club was run. Um, and then we had another we had another twelve years of it after that. So yeah. Um, so so we beat we beat Liverpool in Pardew's first game. But I remember Joey yeah. Barton coming out in that game and say, after that game and saying that was for Chris. Yeah, uh, he scored. He scored. Nolan scored, and Andy Carroll, Carroll probably see, yeah probably sealed his move to Liverpool in that game. But we kind of um, bossed them. I think the players were just doing it, you know, doing it for Chris Hutton in that game. Um, lost to Man City, pretty standard. Got beat by Spurs again, pretty standard over Christmas time. And then we went four and beaten. So we beat Wigan away with a Shola goal. We beat West Ham 5 0. Who's got a hat trick in that game? <laughs> Leon Best. Yeah, Leon Best uh, popped up and scored, grabbed himself a hat trick in that game. Um, we drew 1 1 at Sunderland. We should have won that game. Who shadow, I'll shadow with that one. Yeah, nine, last minute goal by that Asamoah Gian. I remember yeah, that. That, yeah. was, uh, that was devastating. 94th minute equaliser after Nolan had scored for us. That's horrible, isn't it? Oh, it was awful because they celebrated like they'd won. They'd won the bloody league. And um, from memory, I'm pretty sure we we had chances to put them away. We didn't put them away. And then as the game got closer to the finish, you're thinking, oh, this is just set up for them to score some RC goal. And what do yeah. you know? Uh, RC himself, Gian, uh, scored a goal. Yeah, we should have won that game. We bossed it. And then we were beating Spurs as well in the next game until the 91st minute. And then Aaron Lennon popped up and scored an equaliser. So would it, that would have been that would have been four wins in a row if we'd have managed to hold on to those those wins. And we'll yeah. talk about this as well next time. But Alan Pardew was a very, very streaky manager. He used to go on runs of like 10, 11 and beaten, and then he'd go on runs of like um the same not winning a game. And I think yeah. I don't know if it was just luck at the time with him or whether he knew what he was doing, but he was very streaky, wasn't he? Gambler. Yeah, <laughs> that was why he was in the job. Definitely. Now, he was... Um, I often think, you know, at the time, I I didn't think we could trust Pardew. And I think um, we always knew he was Ashley's man and a, a yes man. But if you look back in history, he actually had a pretty good record. And... Maybe we don't give him, especially because of the way he came into the job and everything like that, maybe we don't give him as much credit as he deserved. I mean, yes, he was an Ashley man, but he did still put some pretty good seasons together. So yeah. in under Ashley, which was, as we all saw, very hard to do. Yeah, absolutely. You've got to be fair. And we'll talk about the next season next week, but he was, yeah, he did a good job that season. Um, albeit there were still these huge streaks of um, 
sort of good form and then bad form. And it he was he was reliant on his players, but then I guess you know most managers are. But then that took us up to the 31st of January and absolutely all hell broke loose when Andy Carroll got sold because this had been on the cards over the last week or so of the transfer window. And Liverpool, the, the things that were happening were Chelsea wanted Fernando Torres, uh, who had been really good for Liverpool, but he, he tailed off a little bit. And they were bidding, they ended up getting him for 50 million. So Liverpool then had this money to play with. So they got Suarez. And then I think because of Carroll's form, this is when Kenny Dalglish was managing Liverpool as well. Because of Carroll's form, you know, Dalglish, British manager, um, they signed him. And they, we, we'd knocked back 25 million, we'd knocked back 30 million. Pardew had been saying he's not going anywhere. He'd still been playing well, he'd still been on form. And I just remember that day when we sold him was, and I know that people say about his, his injury record and the fact that his career wasn't, he didn't do very well for Liverpool. And then when he was at West Ham, he was injured a lot. But when you see it, there's something about when you see a homegrown player do so well. And when he's got that style, that sort of, you know, that emotional style of playing football, and he's the number nine and he's the local hero and he's 21 and he's mm. got in the England squad and he's got the world at his feet, you know. And to just have that ripped away in that in that manner, um, I can understand why they felt they couldn't refuse that money, but it was absolutely horrible. And it'll always be, I think, as long as I'm a Newcastle fan, the one I remember, the one transfer I remember. I was probably a little bit too young to properly remember Andy Cole. So this is the mm. one that really, really still breaks my heart. <laughs> yeah, what about, absolutely. yeah, go on, Bobby, were you kind of similar sentiments at that time? Oh, I think I was in, like, in shock and then in tears because I thought you kind of held the hope that, you know, because Padre kept coming out and firmly saying it isn't going to happen. And you thought, this guy's just made England. He's scoring goals for fun. He's an he's a Newcastle boy in the number nine. The, the comparisons with Shearer were always there. Um, you know, the linkage. And you just look, there's no way they can possibly get rid of him. And... People can say what they want about him and his bad form with Liverpool and then what happened in his career. But at 21 years old at Newcastle, he was every bit of superstar that yeah. we've ever had. And when he was sold to Liverpool, it was the most – yeah, like you, Jack. I remember the Andy Cole thing, faintly. I was, I'm a little bit older than you, but it didn't devastate me as much as Andy Carroll. Yeah, mm. I think it was the hardest – transfer I've, I've been involved with, I suppose, uh, as a Newcastle fan in my life. And I thought that was the end of us, to be honest. Because it, it just doesn't happen very often. You don't get these quality players coming through the academy. Newcastle don't anyway. And never mind when they're a striker and when they're in the number nine and when they're doing so well. So I think the feeling was, when's it, when are we ever going to get a player like this again? And, you know, Maybe we will. Maybe somebody like Elliot Anderson will fill that role. Um, but at the time, you just felt like this is what's going to happen. As soon as we get players who put a good bit of form together, we're going to lose them. Dimmy, were you kind of similar at the time? Yeah, I was I was devastated. I remember staying up all night until the transfer window. I'm, I'm sick, obviously, but staying up all night until the transfer <laughs> window closed to see what was going to happen. I remember all night, the stories were, we've knocked back 25, we've knocked back 30, are they going to come back? I was waiting. I was waiting. I remember scrolling through socials. I remember finding some stream. I think it was TalkSport or one of the, one of the stations over there who were covering their their day to day of the of the transfer window. And I remember thinking, please don't go, please don't go. And then finally, towards the end, the the story broke that we'd accepted the bid for for Liverpool, and I was just devastated. I had my new car. I had my Andy Carroll shirt there. I didn't know what to do with it. I'm thinking. What what has just gone on? I mean, could it get any lower? I'm thinking Chris Huden's been sacked a month before. I was pissed off about that, and now we've we've just gone and sold our number nine and our our local hope. Yeah, and unfortunately, Shefki Cookie just uh, couldn't quite <laughs> fill his boots. <laughs> we signed Shefki Cookie on a free, who'd been released by Blackburn, and also we signed Stephen Ireland on loan as well on that last day. <laughs> and he he played two games of about five minutes in each game, so. He was um, billed as a very prodigious, prodigious talent, but I think he had uh, alcohol-related issues in his life, and we sort of picked him up off the scrap heap. 
to get yeah, it. But was... I remember that, that that transfer window at the start. Pardew was talking about getting David Beckham to come from LA Galaxy at the time. And I thought, we could really build on this. And it went from that to, uh, uh, you know, uh, to, <laughs> to, to losing Carroll and getting Shifty Kuki. So, yeah, just totally at Mike Ashley Newcastle. You know. And because this is Newcastle, we then went and lost 1-0 to Fulham in a pretty depressing game. And then we were, then Arsenal came to town. And again, it's one of those games which is just, it's just like a real um, cult match for Newcastle. And it's just funny that it happened in the context of Andy Carroll leaving and Hewton being sacked. And this season, which was a, a memorable season, even though it was so inconsistent. And this game, I, I, was, at, I was at this game as well. And it, I didn't used to sit with my friends um, until the following season. So uh, we always used to like, text each other about where we were meeting up. And we were, we were getting absolutely hammered 4-0 by Arsenal at home at halftime. And I text my friend Moog and I was like, should we just go to the pub? And he's like, <laughs> I was ready to go. I was ready to pack up and just go. And he said, he said, let's just wait. Let's just wait till the next goal. And it, he always reminds me about that. And I will be forever grateful <laughs> to him for that. Because I was done. I checked out and I, was, I wanted to go back to the pub. But he was like, let's just wait. Let's see what happens. And then it was it was beyond mind blowing what happened after that. So that we we managed to kind of drag it back. The the atmosphere changed on fifty minutes when Diaby got sent off for Arsenal. Mm. Uh, Joey Barton managed to kind of wind him up a bit. Arsenal were Arsenal were a good team. They had Fabregas and Van Persie, the, the Chesney and Goal, Koscielny. They were a, yeah, Walcott. They were a pretty strong team, mm. but. Joey Barton managed to really wind them up and get under the skin, even though they were 4-0 up. <laughs> okay. um, Diaby got himself sent off, and then we, we got a penalty. I think The first one, I think, was a really dodgy penalty. One of the penalties was really dodgy. The second one, I think, the second one was dodgy. The second one was dodgy. Was that the Michael Williamson one? Where got the, pull, the, yeah, the push or the handball or whatever it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was, it, it was dodgy. Uh, it shouldn't have been given, but... As soon as that second goal went in, so it was Leon Best scored on 75 minutes. And as soon as that happened, you started to think. You could just see. And Arsenal Arsenal are good at kind of just wilting at St. James's Park. They did it this season just gone as well. <laughs> but you could just sense that something special might be about to happen. Um, then we got that dodgy penalty, which Barton scored as well. And then Niall Ranger was on the pitch by this point. <laughs> I remember Niall Ranger. He made yes. a number of sub appearances Super that sub. season. Super yeah. sub. But um, but then came the moment, the moment that no no Newcastle fan will ever forget that Czech Tiote volley and um, brought it back to four four, and then that was absolutely brought the house down, and that was um that was history because no team in the Premier League had ever come back from four 0 down to draw four four. So it was absolutely, and I remember it was one of those where you go to work and everyone's talking about it, even people who don't like football. Uh, and it was just a, a one that I'll live very, very long in the memory. Memories about that game? Yeah, I, same as you. I think I remember watching it, and um, I think I had returned home by this stage, or back to Australia. And um, yeah, watching it on TV, and like you, I thought, oh, this is absolute shit. I'm going to bed. And then something in the back of my mind was just, no, watch it. And I think what kept me up was how the mood around St. James's Park was so bad at that point that I thought something might happen, like something in the crowd might happen, Pardew might get the sack. Pitch invasion. Yeah, I, I just because it, it was at, the, that, at halftime was probably as low as you could probably get as a Newcastle fan. And so I think what kept me up was to see something like happen with the crowd or Pardew getting sacked at halftime or something <laughs> that, that regard. And then that second half was brilliant. I, instances I remember as well as flashbacks is, Barton should have been sent off for putting the keeper in a headlock when he went to get the ball after he scored yeah. the penalty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like honestly, even Nolan that, were in the goal, weren't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. He, he gave him a headlock and threw him to the ground, and it was like, "What are you doing?" And then, and he had a yellow already as well. Yeah, and I remember when we when Teoto scored that goal and ran around the pitch, and we, like, I, I think I broke the coffee table because I jumped up on the coffee table and it cracked the leg. But anyway, going nuts. I just remember Steve Harper elbowing someone in the back with a, a wrestling move. And, people's um, elbow. The, yeah, people's elbow. Yeah. Someone and someone holding their back. And yeah, we're all 
the game will live long in our memories, and it is a cult game. I think more because of Czech Kyoto and mm. um, what's happened since, and it's a, it's amazing that game gets played every time it's an anniversary of Czech, and mm. you know, it's always a fond memory to have. Only goal he ever scored for us as well. He, he did score one against Man City. That was Man really City. Yeah, yeah, it was an absolute yeah. cracker. Yeah. yeah. The other thing was, and I'll just say this: is we should have won that game. We, yeah. Yep. We had Kevin a chance right at the end because yep. Noel Rangers is good work as well. Noel Rangers had a chance, but yeah, Kevin Noel in the end, we a couple of you know inches the other way, and we would be talking about a five-four victory because yeah, which, which gets sort of gets lost. But um, yeah, yep. it, yeah, just a crazy, crazy game and from a crazy club. I don't think I would have been talking about that victory because I would have just died. I'd have just gone out <laughs> of town and just not not survived. <laughs> Timmy, you obviously remember that game, watching it as well through the night. Yeah, it was wild. It was actually I was out on a mate's twenty first at a uh, at a Greek nightclub. Uh, who would have thought? But um, I had the game. I had the game on in the background, and we were sink sinking drinks and. I've, I've watched it. We're three 0 down after ten minutes or something. I said, "This is bullshit. We're, we're fucking shit. What am I doing? Why am I watching this? I'm at a club. Go drink and go have a good time." So I went off, came back four 0 I'm like, "Oh yeah, fantastic. This is great." On my way home, I I put it on. I'm watching it, and I had for some reason my my phone Foxtel something wasn't working, so I had to switch on the BBC Newcastle coverage. And I found a stream, I listened to BBC Newcastle and in the taxi on the way home, I was half cut. And all I remember was when that fourth, the commentator's going ballistic and I'm going ballistic and old mate drives thinking, what the fuck's this guy doing? Is he, <laughs> is he all right? Is he going to lose it? But, um, but yeah, it was an amazing, an amazing feeling. And like Bobby said, I thought we, uh, I thought we'd snatched it because as, as that Nolan shot went, the commentators, I think Mick Lowe's at the time and, and I think it was Ando, they were both screaming. I thought, We'd scored a fifth, but it was just wide. But, um, but yeah, an amazing, amazing game. Yeah, it was phenomenal. And the rest of the season after that was pretty same story of inconsistency. We beat Birmingham 2 0, we lost to Everton, lost 4 0 to Stoke, beat Wolves 4 1, um, had a draw against Man United and draw against Blackpool. Andy Carroll's Liverpool beat us 3 0. I was at that game at Anfield. Um, and we beat Birmingham. We drew with Chelsea and we went into the last game against West Brom and we were in with a chance of finishing in the top half of the table. And we were winning 3-0 at half-time of that game, which would have seen us finish ninth. And then Soman Choi, who's never been heard of before or never been heard of since, scored a hat-trick in 28 minutes. <laughs> Mind you, they were, they, were relegated. they were relegated West Brom yeah. as well. So they had nothing to play for. We're 3-0 up at home to a relegated team. And then we drew three three. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, and there was um, there was stories about um, Mike Ashley after that game. There, there was a story that he didn't want us to finish in the top half because he would have had to pay bonuses, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> which is obviously un, unverifiable. But it wouldn't really surprise you the way that the way that he was. Yeah, well, I don't think the players would have thrown a game not getting a bonus no. because we saw what happened with the, the fight with the bonuses. I think the following season mm. and. Or the end of this season, actually, with um, you know, I remember Joey Barton on a train, <laughs> the camera crew or filming him because he was didn't know what was going on. He was going to go on loan here, or he was going to get transferred there, and yeah, the players revolt against Ashley, and Ashley won in the end. He did, and that was the league season. So we scored fifty six goals, conceded fifty seven, minus one goal difference. Quite funny, really, that we're doing like a memorable season review on this season because of the. Uh, the league position, but we've just talked for an hour and five minutes about it. You know, it was really, it really was memorable, particularly for those three games against Villa, Sunderland, and Arsenal, of course, as well. Yeah. Um, the cups are not really worth talking about. <laughs> we got absolutely embarrassed against Stevenage, which uh, Demi, you talked about that one when we did the FA Cup special. Till it got sent off after coming on as a sub. Um, in the League Cup, actually, we beat Accrington Stanley. We beat Chelsea at Stamford Bridge four three. A show scored, yeah, show scored in that one, um, but then we got beat four 0 by Arsenal in round four at St James's Park. So there was nothing really to write home about in the cups. Um, in terms of the player stats for the season, Harper and Krull um, shared the goalkeeping duties 
Crow played 20 and Harper played 18 games in that game, mm-hmm. which I was quite surprised at. I seem to remember Harper playing in most of it. Um, we've already talked about the defence who plays. Um, most of them played 30-plus league games each. Um, Noel and Barton and Jonas all played 30-plus league games. Um, Schola was the only striker to make 20 league, 20 league starts. And Carroll had scored 11 and nine, but 19 before he'd left. He scored, He had a better than one and two record. Um, Niall Ranger made 23 sub-appearances in the league. Uh, and forgotten players like Danny Guthrie and Wayne Routledge both played 10-plus league games. Yeah. Uh, so they were like pure championship players who'd helped get us promoted, um, but contributed a little bit that season. And then in terms of goals, Nolan got 12, Carroll had 11, and then there was Scholar on nine, Logan Krentz on seven, Best got six, and Barton got five. Um, so that was the season. Any kind of final wrap-ups there or anything about those stats before we finish? Well, we haven't had a striker score 20 goals since Alan Shearer, had we? And no. Carol was Carol's on target for that, and it would have been fitting, but it wasn't to be. It was a roller coaster year. I think it, it's so so many highs to talk about and so many lows to talk about um, in that season. It was just a, a crazy, crazy season. Um, and as you said, we had another twelve years of Ashley, so we had another twelve years of <laughs> this unstableness and 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 roller coaster that uh, we went on. But this was the season, I think that. Uh, that was the most crazy that I can remember. Yeah, and there was only one um, other decent season under Ashley, and that was the following season, which we'll talk about next week. But, yeah. Dimmy, any kind of other final thoughts about that? It was really, it was about Andy Carroll, wasn't it, going in January? Yeah. Uh, like set yeah. The tone. That, that set the tone. It, like Bobby said, it was a a wild ride of a season. I mean, the, the high of Aston Villa, the high of Sunderland, the low of Huden leaving, the low of Carroll leaving... It was just a wild season and um, just summed us up really under the Ashley era. It was just never could predict what, what he was going to do. And unfortunately, we were a couple of major things that, that season that were were really hard to take at the time. Yeah, and it's it set us up for a really uh, tumultuous summer as well because Ashley, clearly he'd already shown this by sacking Chris Hewton, but he didn't like those players challenging him. He didn't like mm. the, the players questioning and demanding more. Um, he didn't like thinking that footballers could boss him around or tell him what to do. So the clear out started after this season uh, and the, the team looked very different by the time the next season kicked off. Um, but we will talk about that next week. We'll be back to do a review of the 2011-2012 season, which was, like I said, the other half-decent season we had under Mike Ashley in 14 years of absolute shite apart from that. Yeah, I think um, this season will always live long in my memory because it was the first time I got to go to the... You were there, yeah. I was there, but I loved it so much I returned back the next season, despite oh, yeah. everything that happened. Obviously pre-kids. <laughs> Mate, yeah, of course. I can't, go, <laughs> I can't, can't leave my living room now. <laughs> All right, we will leave it there. Uh, thanks very much, Bobby, and thanks very much, Dimmy. Thanks, Jack. Cheers, mate. I will speak to you soon. Cheers.